You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, Hey now, you're a rock star, get your game on, get paid. Welcome back to the Second Break Comics Nation. You know, every once in a while, I'll be like going through the radio stations because I'm, I'm a millennial boomer. So, you know, I go ahead and press the seek button. No, it's the tune button on my car radio that is lacking a, a CD ejector thing, whatever those used to be called. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll come across these like oldie stations. And what I realized was that I was jamming out to all, uh, all star by smash mouth. And I realized that I was listening to oldies rock and immediately I was like, Oh my God, this is my life now. So now you all have to feel that existential dread with me. But with that existential dread comes some hope. Today we're going to be covering all that's going on in comics, entertainment, movies, and more. But before we get into this entertainment multiverse of madness, we got to go ahead and bring on Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, how is life? Life is good, Remzo. I, I wanted to make so many comments uh, in your little intro there about how you're a millennial boomer. I am. What's the CD thing called? <laughs> well, it's a disc man when it's portable, but I think it's just the disc player. I think it's just the CD player. Does your car have one? My my current car does not because I bought this car in 2018 brand new, but the previous vehicle that I owned that I bought in I think 2002, that did have one. And I even still had um like tapes for a while and I had one of these things that you plug in so you can play a tape in your oh, car. Oh with the with, with the little wire that mm-hmm. comes out yeah, and plugs into your that comes into your Zune. Yep. So, yeah, but the reason I didn't interrupt you is because I didn't I actually didn't exist yet in the continuity of the show. You know, as a lifelong lifelong, I'm not lifelong podcaster. I came, I came out of the wound, pop wound podcast. One million years. I basically have been a lifelong podcaster because I have 
been I have not shut up since the moment I was born, essentially, from what I understand. Uh, so I've been podcasting this whole time. I just didn't have the technology to share my personal podcast with the world until, you know, until fairly recently. But yeah, no, in the in the continuity of the podcast, I don't even exist until you introduce me. So I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. But uh I, I will they say called me a madman. You know, <laughs> I like Smash Mouth. I, I I listened to Smash Mouth in the '90s when I was growing up. I don't think you were born yet when Smash Mouth came out, so maybe it should. Maybe I should just concede at some point that some certain bands and music that I listened to in the '90s, it's going to be considered old to someone. And if the if people even younger than you are the ones driving music right now, too, because I I actually I I worked on a a freelance job this past weekend. It was a concert right in Las Vegas, and I could name literally of all the people that performed at this concert. Uh, there's a whole bunch of groups, whole bunch of artists. I had only heard, heard of one of them before the rest. I never even heard of, let alone like knew their music. It was the band. Have you heard of Dua Lipa? That sounds like some type of angry white boy rap group. I, I'm actually impressed. I'm actually proud of you that you don't know who that is. I, I've only, I don't even know who it was. I just know that she's an artist of some kind. And oh, she, it's a she. It's a she. Yeah. It's like some, some British pop star or something. I don't really know, but I did know she existed, but that's it. And every other artist I had never even, I didn't even know that their existence was something that was happening in the world. So if I'm at that point where all, and this is, these are the popular artists of the day, apparently. So all these artists, all these bands, all the kids in the crowd were going nuts, singing the lyrics, to all these songs, these songs of artists I never heard of. So maybe at some point I have to actually accept the fact that I'm a little bit older. Now I feel, I feel great. I feel wonderful. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a young 41, I would say, but, uh, I think the music, music wise, it, times have passed me by and I think I have to accept that. And maybe they pass you by too. You got like a dozen years on me here and you don't even know who Dua Lipa is. Come on. All my music tastes basically stop after the year 2014. Like I'm, 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 I, I'm still listening to punk rock and stuff from like the early two thousands. Like I think that up to 2003, you actually had some really good stuff. For me, it's about 2003. <laughs> I think that's where it ends for me. And then, but for my dad, it's like 1959. I remember growing up, um, even like music that, even older music that I would start to learn about and get into, like music from the 70s, like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, stuff like that, that I got into maybe in like middle school. Um, my dad didn't even listen to that because it came out after his his music clock stopped. Like, I mean, you could tell me there was a band called Astigmatism and I would believe you. There's not? I mean, there probably is. I just, I just pulled <laughs> if, out. If there's nowhere. not, we should start it. We're a stigmatism. Second Prince stigmatism. We're kind of like the Cure and Depeche Mode, but not. <laughs> if they did a bunch of ketamine and lived in the in the 2021, that's our. That's band. basically it. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> All right. Well, if this if this comic book podcast thing doesn't work out. Let's talk. I used to play the, the drums when in like fourth grade and I can play a mean bongo and I can sing karaoke music. So I, I can play some wicked spoons. All right. Well, I think we have the start of a band, if nothing else. Yeah. But let's give this comic book thing a shot first. I think I think we're doing OK. I, I want to ruin everyone's day with just one more fun fact. You know why Smash Mouth broke up, right? I didn't even know Smash Mouth broke up. So, he, you know, here I'm finding out that this horrible news live. I thought I thought if, if nothing else, there's always the hope of another Smash Mouth tour coming through my town. And now you're telling me not so much. Well, well, they actually have thought about coming back and they were going to come back and do a couple of concerts. But then COVID happened, so they couldn't. But the reason why Smash Mouth stopped recording 
was because the lead singer's son got terminal cancer. Oh, so no. he stopped going on tour and then he died. And then he was like, I can't do music anymore. My life is miserable. So they broke up. Wow. That's a much more depressing story than I, I was getting ready to laugh. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, you know, let's get onto some fun shit. Yeah. As so- you all know, here on the second break comics, the last week of the month, we go ahead and do a potpourri episode where Mark and I go ahead and just talk about the awesome shit going on in the world that we want to talk about. We take a big whiff, a big whiff of all the comic book content out there of all the comic book potpourri, whether it's TV, movies, the books we're reading, what have you. And the best part about this, Remzo, I don't really need to prepare for these shows. I just talk about what I'm actually watching in real life or what I'm actually reading in real life. I don't need to go out of my way to study and take notes and all the stuff I do for regular episodes. So I'm a fan of these episodes and based on the feedback, our fans are as well. So, you know, we're here to serve. Definitely. I want to start things up on a, on a higher note than knowing that the lead singer smash mouth son died. And that's the reason why the band broke up. But, uh, I, I have a question for you, Mark have, have you been going to see movies in theaters or have you been watching everything on demand? A little bit of both. I am. I'm not, I have no concerns about going to the theater. So when given the opportunity for a theater, we, I will usually go to the theater, especially for, you know, like these comic book movies that are coming out. That's when I really started hitting the theaters. I think uh, with the vengeance again, when black widow came out, um, when Shang-Chi came out, Shang-Chi wasn't even available on demand, but you know, movies like that, I want to see in the theater, even, even price, not being a difference. I probably would want to see them in the theater anyway, but especially like movies like black widow, for example, if I'm going to spend $30 to, to watch it at home, dude, I have a, I have a Cinemark membership. I can go for like, well, I get one free movie a month, which is a great deal by the way. And we don't make any profit off this, but if you do go to movies a lot, the Cinemark membership is an amazing deal because it's 10 bucks a month. And again, I should be getting a commission of some kind for this because I could probably sell some of these right now, but it's 10 bucks a month. And you get a free ticket every month. So you're it's already free, basically, if you would go to the movie anyway. And you don't have to use the, the that free ticket that month. I could use it in a year. So you can they just roll build over. Up. Yeah. So you can really roll over. So you can build them up and wait till a month when you, you know, when you have like three movies you want to go see. And then any other ticket you buy is at like the 20% discount. And you get a you end up building points. And yeah, it basically, even when I pay for a movie, I I end up getting pretty cheap tickets that are not that much is the point. So for me, it's actually cheaper to go to the movie. Um, even if I'm used my free, free ticket already, it's cheaper for me to go to the movie, even with my wife to, for two of us to go to the movie than to pay the $30 to watch it at home. So, so it's just become a no brainer. Yeah. I had that when, when I lived in an area that, <clears throat> that had Cinemarks, uh, where I'm at now, we've got, we've got AMC in a place called movie tavern. Uh, movie tavern doesn't movie taverns actually pretty nice. It's it like a, cool. It's like, like a poor man's. Though, yeah. It's not like Almo Draft House quality. I think it's a step down from like Almo Draft House, but it's still better than AMC. AMC, I'll go there if they have a movie that I really want to see that movie tavern's not showing. But anyway, I bring this up because now we're getting to the point where people are going back to theaters again, but we've become kind of spoiled with the fact that they're still doing a lot of same day and early releases for the most part. So now fans are really leveraging whether or not they want to punish a film because they don't like it or whether they really want to go out and support a movie by whether or not they actually go and pay the the box office price for it. And, And I feel like it's one of those weird situations where you could really tell the level of excitement for somebody. Now, the only reason I didn't go see uh, Suicide 
Suicide Squad uh, in theaters is because I was traveling and I have HBO Max. So I was like, you know, what? I'll just go ahead and watch it here. But I agree. Like for Shang-Chi. That, that one I am really glad that I saw in the theater. It was it, I mean, I saw it again on HBO Max at home. I pulled a Remzo and watched it like twice in, in a week. But that's because it's a good movie. A, yeah, well, I, it was my birthday the day that I saw it on the movie. So we had already been, you know, we had already gone to brunch. Uh, you know, I was under the influence of some things. So, you know, I like some the stuff. movie was awesome, but I was also like, I don't remember all the details of that. So that's why I watched yeah. it a second time. But but anyway, so yeah, now you have more people that are flexing their, you know, their their free market powers to whether or not a movie is really going to succeed or fail. Uh, and right now, Venom seems to be one of those movies. Uh, Venom, the first film, really took a lot of people by storm. Coming out the same year as Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War came out right between all those. And everyone was like, a Venom movie without Spider-Man coming from Sony? How's that going to do? And it was it, it, it got pretty much the same comparable box office amount, and people liked it. The critics didn't like it, but fans liked it. They liked Tom Hardy. They wanted to see Venom. And for the most part, the, the movie delivered on what you expected. And, you know, it was quickly greenlit for a sequel. Uh, they showed Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage, at the end of the first film. So everyone kind of knew what the sequel was going to be about. And then when the trailer for Venom 2 was released about a month and a half ago, um, it was just basically confirming what everybody thought. It was a direct sequel to the first film. Everything that happened directly gets readdressed again. And this time you've got Woody Harrelson, but this time he's not wearing a stupid wig. They actually did something with his real hair. So that that comes out um, this weekend by the time people are listening to this. And you've got a lot of people. I don't know why. It's like I, I feel and I, I've had a lot of criticisms of people who are like real super fans of the MCU. Now, don't get me wrong. The MCU is great, but that doesn't mean you need to punish all non MCU films. So you have a lot of MCU people who are like, why should I see it? It's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then others who are like, well, you know, it's Sony. So I don't really want to go pay to go see a Sony movie of Tom Hardy. I'm just going to go watch it from home. I can understand the the concept of not caring as much if you think it doesn't tie into the MCU, if like you're super dedicated fan to those specific movies. I can see that, but I can't see caring which giant mega corporation produced the movie. That seems absurd. Uh, they're all giant mega corporations. They all make all our entertainment. Why would you care which <laughs> which one it comes from? I mean, Sony doesn't have the best track record for really good movies. I mean, if you really look at it, the only film franchises that are keeping Sony alive are Spider-Man and James Bond. And by the time No Time to Die comes out, which I think is a, a week after Venom comes out, I mean, they've lost so much money in terms of marketing that movie and everything else. It'll actually be a struggle to see whether or not uh, Eon Productions and I think uh, MGM actually make money from it. And I think since then, Apple has bought the film rights to James Bond. So, I mean, it, it's it's going to be kind of a, a shit show. I think it'll still be well. I think it'll still be profitable. It's James Bond. There has not been a non-profitable James Bond film. Even some of the low marks of the franchise have still done consider, considerably well, bringing in uh, you know, plenty of what they needed to to reach the overhead during their opening box office weekend. But, you know, it's like with with Venom, uh, you know, it's it's the little movie that could. And for the most part, I think, you know, my, my biggest issue right now with Venom is I think that the title is kind of kitschy. You know, let there be carnage. Like I'm like, oh, you couldn't have come up with something better. I would have been happier if just like Venom too. But it's like it's, it's a, a little kitschy. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's a PG thirteen or is this one R? 
I think it's, I'm not positive. I think this I, one's R. I, I, th- I do believe it's R, but I'll, I'll look it up. I'll do some live research while you. Uh, yeah. So it's like, you know, you have this like, you know, B-rated sci-fi horror film. No, it's PG-13. It's PG-13. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, I didn't think Venom needed the R rating the first time. It doesn't need, uh, was the first one R? The first one was PG-13 and people okay. were like, oh, well, like, you know, how could you, how could you have that without, uh, you know, Without Spider-Man, how could you do it without the R rating? I didn't feel like it was missing anything with the R rating. It doesn't. It doesn't need it. It's not necessary. Uh, I, I think, like, I think, you know, a lot of the rumors about movies that are coming out, well, from from Marvel, well, we know that Deadpool three is confirmed, and there's also rumors of a of a Wolverine movie being in production. That's that's a that's still very much in the rumor stage. But those are the two that they're talking about having R ratings. And for both of those, once you go R, you can't go back. Once you go, you R, could you go from PG thirteen to R. But you can't go from R back down to PG thirteen. It's like a lot of the a lot of the DC animated films. Uh, you know, they, DC was the first animated studio to put out PG thirteen stuff. Now, a lot of anime films from Japan had been pushing the PG thirteen labeling in the United States and Europe for a while. But DC was the first one to do that. And then with the Dark Knight uh, Returns Part One and Part Two, those those were actually like R rated. So like, you know, they can, they can escalate it, but you usually don't deescalate at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be like going from, uh, you know, going from a Nintendo Wii down to the Super Nintendo one day. It's like, well, you can't, you can't go backwards. You can't go that way. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the strangest thing about this movie, and I, I, I love Venom. I'm going to be there opening night to go see Venom at the movie tavern out here in Milwaukee. But, uh, you know, what their marketing has been doing is they've actually been trying to jump on a lot of the bandwagon effect you've been seeing from Spider-Man No Way Home. And you've had a lot of tweets going out from Sony and the official Venom Let There Be Carnage pages across social media telling people it's like the universe is expanding. And, you know, a lot of people are throwing out the Spider-Man connection. Uh, I, I know with with Morbius, which I feel is I think I think it's coming out in January 2022. Morbius is the next one part of like this Venom verse. And then later in 2022, you have Craven the Hunter. Uh, we know that in Morbius, you see um, uh, who, who's the who, who's the guy that plays Batman? It's also Mike, Michael Keaton. Yeah, Michael Keaton. We know that and Michael I Keaton's impressed Vulture. that you called him the guy who plays Batman because that is who Michael Keaton is to me. That's who he was growing up. He, he, he will always still be his Batman. finest role. It will never change. But like Michael Keaton's Vulture is going to be in Morbius. We know that. You know, you know just to give you a little history lesson, because uh, I know you were not even a twinkle at the, at the time, but uh, that was actually really controversial at the time when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman. Because he was a comedian and exactly. he had just done Beetlejuice. So people didn't really see the fact that this comedian could be Bruce Wayne Batman. Correct. Yeah. Well, you know the whole story, so I don't need to explain it. But yeah, I mean, he was already a great comedic actor. But he was a great actor. And I mean, I think that's very clear now with his, you know, the last 30 extra other years of his acting. It's, it's very obvious. He's, I think he's one of our finest. But at the time, he was really just known as like, oh, he's a great comedy actor. Sure. But can he do this? Uh, and the answer is, fuck, yes, he can. And I'm really excited uh, to bounce around a little bit about the Flash movie coming up and, and see more of him. But we talked about that a couple months ago. Yeah. But, but going back to Keaton, like Keaton is now like the official glue that's kind of keeping everything together. So this will, they won't, they thing, especially now since the, the concept of like the real multiverse is going to be addressed, uh, for Spider-Man and Spider-Man no way home. My question to you, Mark is do these films need Spider-Man? 
to continue or should they just keep the track that they're going on, which is they, they are their own little separate universe of Spider-Man characters, but they will not interact with Spider-Man. Or do you think somehow some way Sony is going to get him to actually brawl with, you know, um, Tom Hardy and Jared Leto and uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson? Well, I, I don't think it needs it. Um, I, I, cause I think Venom kind of proved that. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how, what your thoughts are on the first Venom were. I liked it. I liked it too. I mean, I didn't, yeah. it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I thought it was very well done. It was better than Topher Graceland's <laughs> first appearance of Topher Venom Grace in Spider-Man 3. I like Graceland. Topher Grace. I'm going to start yeah. calling him Topher Graceland. It's Eric from that 70s show. It's Eric yeah. Foreman. That's all yeah. he'll ever be. Tom Hardy was definitely a superior Eddie Brock. Uh, and he wasn't really the same Eddie Brock in the comic. So it's not because he portrayed the character as I thought it should be necessarily. It was just really good. And he's an amazing actor. And I didn't at any point think like, man, if only we had Spider-Man tied into this origin. So I think it can build itself up as its own thing. And it, it already has. And the fact that the sequel's coming uh, and with a lot of excitement has kind of proven that um, as far as like the greater Venom verse goes, like, yeah, it's kind of weird in a way to have all these characters that are known by comic book people as Spider-Man characters like Morbius, uh, like Craven the Hunter, to have them all interacting with each other and not have Spider-Man. Um, so I don't think it's, but I don't think it's necessary. But I do think we want it. I do, I do think it's something that you know, in the back of every comic book fan's mind, it's like, okay, like Spider-Man's got to interact with these characters at some point, and. You know, the deal between Sony and Marvel, you know, neither we kind of know the deal, but neither of us are the lawyers that have read the fine print. So, I mean, I'm sure there is a way that they can work it to to actually have that happen. They have just wanted to keep them separate. I don't know if that's more Marvel wanting to keep it separate, more Sony, but that has been how it's been so far. But I, I do got to think and we don't know necessarily, you know, I think Tom Holland is on for like three more movies at this point uh, with, with his. Well, deal, remember but- when he negotiates a contract, he's not negotiating with Sony and Marvel studios through Disney. He is a Sony contracted actor. Mm-hmm. And then Sony goes and negotiates with Marvel. Right. They, they so negotiate we know- his appearances in those movies. Yeah, so like he is he he is there by proxy. He's not there directly because of the way the contract works. And there there's one theory out there that at the end of No Way Home, because they're doing a type of, you know, one more day brand new day scenario with this film as we discussed a month back, there's this idea that in order to reestablish the proper timeline while at the same time getting to a logical conclusion of the whole identity erasure thing, what they're going to do is they're going to stick him in the Sony Spider-Man universe. So that way, everything that happened in the MCU with Spider-Man did happen, except now he will be a character independent of all future Marvel movies, while at the same time being the same Peter Parker Spider-Man in other films, such as you know a potential third Venom movie, a, more, a potential Morbius sequel, and definitely maybe a Craven the Hunter film. So they will not even be Spider-Man films. They will be Spider-Man character films with Spider-Man. Hmm. Craven the Hunter featuring Spider-Man. Well, what's really a fuck you to Marvel is the fact that um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played Quicksilver in Avengers Age of Ultron, is coming on to be Craven the Hunter. So the fact that Sony went out of their way to already poach a character 
who has already, I mean, approach an actor who's already been an MCU character in, you know, another competing universe, which somehow shares the Spider-Man umbilical cord. It's, it's Sony basically saying we can do what the fuck we want and we don't work on your terms. You work on ours. Yeah. And that's why at the end of the day, I think there is too much money in a Tom Hardy, Venom, uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man crossover of some kind. So I don't know if it's going to be a totally separate movie. If it's what maybe Venom three turns into, I got to think because they can make it happen that they're going to make it happen because it's, it's too big a nerd out moment. Uh, even though this Venom's origin is not tied into Spider-Man at all. Um, it doesn't need to be for, for fans to nerd out over it. And I think it's definitely a matchup. We need to see whether it's versus, whether it's team up, maybe it'll just be a secret war type thing. Maybe they'll do secret wars and they'll make, and maybe Marvel will make some kind of deal to bring in venom for some appearance. I don't know, but I think it's got to happen one way or another. I'm just not sure how it's all going to play out business wise or legal wise, but I got to think at some point in the next four or five years, we're going to see those two actors playing those two characters on screen together. Don't know how or why, or I don't know. I know why it's because of money because <laughs> uh, people like me will give them money for that. That's why uh, I'm not exactly sure how, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah. And I mean, let's just look at what they're doing for the sequel. It's a 90 minute runtime. So it's shorter than a lot of people expect. It's actually shorter than the first Venom film. I love 90 you've minute got, movies. That's a, that's I, a I, it gets runtime. to the point. Yeah, it gets to the point. It's what I need to see. Uh, but I mean, the fact that you've got uh, Woody Harrelson who came on to sign on for the character around the same time the first movie was being productioned. Um, I'm sorry, he signed on to be Cleus Cassie for the sequel around the same time the first film was being produced. I mean, he's not, he's not like a C-list actor or anything. Like Woody Harrelson, like him and Tom Hardy, they're going to make Sony some money next weekend. I so like they're, they're totally that. banking on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I will contribute to the fund. So I, uh, I think I will be in a different country by that point. But uh the um, as far as I've as the, for all the times I've been in Mexico, I have always been able to see the movies that I wanted to see when they came out. So hopefully Venom is the same. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Venom and it's going to be even cheaper. Remzo, you know, how cheap. Movies there are there you go. It's there great. you go. It's going to work out. So, I mean, Venom is an example of something that's able to compete with the MCU. While the ratings might not be as equitable, like the money at the end of the day is what, what keeps this going. And, um, you know, for the most part, I mean, Marvel, other than the films, other than the Disney Plus series, uh, they, they've been more of a hit or a miss with some things. I think one area that people ignore Marvel on uh, where they've made a lot of flaws has been some of the stuff in their animated department. Uh, almost all of their uh, animated shows on Disney XD, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, those have all basically been lampooned nobody fucking likes them but then you've got some more like i'll call them like offhand uh series like we talked about uh hellstrom at one point i think during one of our journey into mystery zoom calls with fans i was telling people like you know hellstrom could have been a good show but it was kind of like a failure launch type of thing since then uh marvel has put out modok have you watched modok at all i have not watched any modok i've actually been uh scared off of watching it by our friend eric july and his rants against it so i've I've listened to him talk about it enough that it made me not want to even try it. Modoc, I, I watched the first four episodes of it, and I think I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I think it just felt really, really unnecessary. And you know, there, there was a, there was an Offenders TV show that they had been teasing for years, where they were going to be like the the shitty version of the Defenders. And it was going to have Squirrel Girl and a bunch of other stuff. For some weird reason, Marvel really wants to make Squirrel Girl a thing, but she's never really been a thing. 
Um, you, you got, you had runaways and all this other to, stuff. Though. I can see how in their minds that could become some kind of pop culture hit. And I could actually see if you have to, if you have to force it, like squirrel girls, not like Gwenpool. Gwenpool started as the alternate cover, a variant cover of an issue of Deadpool. And she was so popular. She became an actual character, just like uh spider Gwen. Like they were just so popular, the fans manifested them into Something existence. About those Gwen variants that everyone loves. The, the, the Gwen variants may bring in the money, but like she's Squirrel like one Girl. of those one shortlist characters that are never allowed to come back. But they never said we couldn't have alternate universe variants. Exactly, and she she's bringing in the money. So like when it comes to some of these side characters and other like you know loose uh, TV and animated projects, Marvel is, does not have the best track record that a lot of people might excuse them for. But the one thing that I am really excited for is an R-rated animated TV series coming from Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Munn, Hit Monkey. Do you have any clue who Hit Monkey is? I literally heard about Hit Monkey today. I think when. I don't know if it was you or someone else in the fan zone that posted the article. It was me and Joe talking about it. I posted about it, and I guess Joe knows. Joe, Joe's one of the guys in our uh, second part fan zone. He uh, he knows the animator for it. Hashtag Joe knows. Hashtag Joe knows. So, like, it is, it is fucking hilarious. Hitmonkey was first introduced, I think, in 2013, 2014 in the uh, Deadpool series. Hitmonkey is basically a monkey hitman. And uh, that's a, that's all you need to know. That is so, all I need to know because I'm in. <laughs> yeah, they, they have not brought him back since they gave him like a short lived uh, series of one shots or maybe a limited series at one point soon after. So for like eight years, we haven't seen uh, Hit Monkey. But, you know, there was always that potential there. At one point, Hit Monkey was even uh, rumored to either be featured in the 2015 Deadpool game or get his own video game. But the Hit Monkey trailer, if you haven't watched it, go, go just YouTube Hit Monkey Hulu. It looks fucking wild. It's like Archer and Invincible had a baby with a simian and Hitmonkey was born. Archer and Invincible are probably two of the best animated series for different reasons of the last 20 years. So if that's remotely accurate to what the series ends up being, I am sure that I will enjoy it. So I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. So those are those are just a few of the things that uh that I wanted to bring up. I did catch uh the first episode of Why the Last Man on FX through Hulu. Uh Why the Last Man is based off the critically acclaimed graphic novel series about a universe where suddenly all the men on Earth just died and now the planet is run by women and there happens to be one dude that lives. And uh, I watched that. I won't go too much into spoilers because I know a bunch of people are getting ready to like binge it, especially as a few more episodes come out. But like it's I have a feeling that like Legion on FX, uh, it's going to be one of those shows you have to watch to build up because they might reward you later. I can't necessarily say that I'm a fan of it right now, but I'm willing to see at least the first season to really come to a conclusion. And I think a lot of these FX shows, they, they get a bad rep because FX produces so many like very like niche, dark comedy type of shows and dramas that no one can really tell whether they're worth investing their time in. But, you know, like I'm a big fan of uh, Legion. I think Legion on FX is a, a really underrated like hit on television. It was brilliant television when it was out. Uh, you know, it was not the X-Men glamour fest that a lot of people thought it was going to be, but it did really, you know, reward people who watched it all the way through. And and I really like those American crime shows like the people versus OJ Simpson, the assassination of Gianni Versace uh, impeached is coming out in in about a month. So I think, you know, FX, if you like FX shows, this is very much an FX show. 
Uh, if you like Why the Last Man, and I'll be honest, I never read the graphic novel. Um, I, I can't tell you whether or not it's super accurate to the source material, but um, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm happy whenever a comic book gets adapted into a TV show. I'm just glad to see it. And this is one of those that have been rumored to either be a TV show or a Netflix series or a movie for a while. So the fact that now it's actually out there in reality, uh, maybe now this will actually convince me to go back and read a few of the first volumes of the comic. My experience with Why the Last Man is that when I got back into comics again around 2014, 2015-ish or so, I... uh, I did a deep dive on a lot of stuff uh, I've talked about before in the past that I, I did a deep dive on. I, I, first of all, I caught up on all my Savage Dragons. I read all of Invincible up until that that point, and then I finished Invincible like live as it happened. Same thing with Walking Dead, which we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks. Uh, but I was also in the search for like I was doing a lot of like Google searches, like best comic stories of the last ten years, kind of stuff, and trying to find you know some of the the stories that I should check out and why the Last Man was one of those. Now I it was one that I downloaded on Hoopla, like I just downloaded a bunch on Hoopla, and that was one that I I read like the first issue, and I'm not gonna. I'm not, I wouldn't say it was bad. I think it, it's probably good. It's just sometimes you're not in the right mood at the right time for the right story. And it just bored me a little bit. Like, like the story is interesting. The characters seem interesting. It probably goes in a bit a better direction, but I wasn't in the spot and I had a, I have like a bunch of other stuff that I downloaded that I was reading. So if something didn't really capture me right away, I would be pretty quick to move on. Uh, so I never really got all the way into it. I did sample it, I guess you could say, and wasn't, wasn't sucked in right away. But the fact that it's out now as a series, um, I, I kind of would want to read it before I watch the series. So I may circle back and we may, we may even look at that, that in the, sometime in the coming months. I, I always got confused because I thought why the last man was uh Kamandi, the last boy on earth. <laughs> oh, no, those are very different. Yeah. They're, they're very different. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same concept. Same concept. Yeah. Also, um, oh, what's that? Was movie? it Kamandi or Kamadi? I think it's Kamandi. Kamandi. Yeah. Kamandi, the last boy on earth. And he's friends with like a tiger and shit. And he fights mutants. Children of men. That's the movie with basically the same plot as well. Although that's, I think that's when everyone stopped. Children of Men is with um, Owen, Clive Owen, and it's where people can't get pregnant anymore. I guess that's a very different plot now that, that I think about it. it, it, it well, that, that's Same a, that's result, a fucking, though, right? Same end result. That's crazy. I watched that movie in 2013, and I'm like, this shit would never happen. And like eight years later, I'm like, now shit. I'm like, well, that stuff from that Children happen. of Men might actually fucking happen. It's quite possible. We're on an interesting path. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, I think I'll. I think what I think here's my here's my strategy, Mark. I'm not watching many series right now. I'm not going to go back and watch Modoc. Uh, I'm watching uh, Warrior, which is a a Bruce Lee uh, adapted series on HBO Max. That's pre- that's pretty good. If you like Breaking Bad, Ozark, it's like that with Kung Fu. I think after I'm done with this, because I'm almost, I've been binging it. So the, the second season, I should be done with that uh, by the end of the week. I think after this, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to wait like a month or so for a bunch of episodes of why the last man to wrap rack up. And I'm just going to binge it because I have a feeling like for some shows that I've watched, it's like, if I was watching this in real time, week by week, I might not like this, but you know, if it's a show like Ozark, I love Ozark. But when I first tried to watch Ozark when it was live on TV, I couldn't do Ozark it. Ozark was live on TV? Well, I don't o- think it was yeah, ever live Oz- on TV. I think well, it was always on Netflix. Was it on Netflix? Well, but I know what you mean. Because even Ozark for me was actually a slow start as well. 
and it is one of those things that if it was if it was week to week, maybe I wouldn't come back the second week, which is why it's kind of different. I'm sorry. I, I was getting Ozark confused with Breaking Bad. When Breaking Bad was week to week, I couldn't do it. But when oh, I went and binge crazy. watched when I went and binge watched uh, Breaking Bad, I loved it. And it's like Ozark. If Ozark was a show which was week to week. I don't think I would have done it. But when I binged Ozark on Netflix, I finished the first three seasons in like a week. Breaking Bad was my transition from live TV to only watching something in binge mode. Essentially, it was the last show. It's funny. I actually heard about the show, watched a couple episodes like you, like live, didn't really get into it. Then later, like years later, heard how great it was that, okay, I'll give it a second chance. And that's when I binged the whole thing up until season five, which wasn't out yet at the time. So then I transitioned back to watching season five episode by episode with the week gap in between. And that I actually really enjoyed because that, by that point I was so into the show and it, it reminded me of, uh, I think the last show like that for me was lost where a, a show, an episode would happen. It would end in some shocking manner. And the next week I would be nerding out, theorizing, talking to friends about it, going on message boards. Uh, and, and breaking bad was one of those shows that like everybody, you know, was watching. It wasn't just one of those nerdy shows. So for breaking bad, I could talk to anybody I ran into basically would be able to talk about breaking bad. So that was, it was really the last show that I think I will probably ever watch in a, in non binge format, but I'm glad I did. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's all I've got, except the, the, actually the last thing to mention on the TV and movie news section, uh, season three of the boys for Amazon prime just went ahead and wrapped up. Uh, this takes place almost immediately after the season finale for season two, in which some characters are dead, some are alive, all the stuff that went on with Homelander's just wrapped uh, up son filming? Hap- just wrapped up filming. Okay. Cause I haven't even watched season two yet. Oh, you haven't watched season two. I, I have Why? a problem with series. I can't get into series. I need to be so into season series. two of the, bo- of the boys was like eight episodes and they weren't even like a full hour long. Yeah, and after like two, I just, I wasn't into it. So like, when I'm committing that much time, I need to be so, so, so sucked in. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't really love this season one that much. I thought it was a good show. I liked it. But when the season ended, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait for another season. I was kind of like, eh, I'm OK. So my, my I'm going to watch it because I, I feel invested in the show at this point, having watched season one, season two. My only issue is like their big thing is each season we're going to go ahead and increase the hype. It only can go as far as to when it just gets into like its old yeller phase. And I feel like with season three of the boys, it's really going to determine whether or not it, it keeps going because I think a lot of people have just become desensitized to a lot of crazy shit that happens in that show. You know, it's like, I, it's like how I feel about the flash right now. The flash had a good couple of years and it was really fucking good. And when the Arrowverse was at its prime, the flash was an awesome addition to it, but it's at the point now where all the stories are becoming kind of redundant. All the big stories have kind of been done and it's like, you know, you should probably put the show out of its misery. I don't think the boys is anywhere near that at this point, but the fact that they have done so much to try and shock the shit out of people, I really think the the trailer when that gets released, I think like January, February of 2022, that's really going to show people whether or not they up the ante or not. I think with a, with a, you know, a digital only show like the boys, they could get away with more than like a show like the flash, which is network TV. But it's at the same time where it's just like, you know, sometimes like just because you can keep going, doesn't mean you have to. And I feel at the end of season two of the boys, which I won't spoil it for you, but like a lot of, a lot of loopholes that should have probably gone on for another season or so they got tied up pretty cleanly. 
and I don't know where the next step is. So the boys will will come back when the trailer's released and see what see what people think. But that's all. That's all I've got. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll go back and watch season two because uh, now I feel a little bit of an obligation. I have to have some knowledge to, to discuss this stuff with you when when the time comes. So. It's not an invincible. Not invincible. I no. couldn't stop watching invincible, and and that was tough because it was week to week. So I yeah. I guess that's not actually. I guess actually Breaking Bad is not the last show. I guess I I technically did watch Invincible week to week. Invincible was fucking awesome. Invincible was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, maybe we can get into some of the books we're reading right now or that we have been reading lately before we move on from, from TV and film. We talked about it a few weeks ago in non-spoiler format. Is there, and now it's been, it's been enough time now, because if you haven't seen it by now, you don't care about spoilers. That's just a fact that's evidenced by the fact you haven't seen it. Is there anything you want to elaborate on with Shang-Chi now that we can kind of free ourselves from the reins a little bit? Shang-Chi was good. Like I, I really did like it. It's probably now, now I, I had recency bias. I think that was the term you used because I didn't want to just say it was in my top 10 Marvel films, but I can probably honestly say now that it's probably a solid nine or 10. Uh, and mainly it's because I just love those Bruce Lee type films. And for me, like I feel that Marvel's recent problem has been, they've done, they've had a real hard time, with two things. One, their phase four release calendar. I think phase four has been probably the sloppiest phase of Marvel. And I don't even think COVID has to do with that. I think the mix of prequels and DC, uh, I'm sorry, and Disney plus show tie-ins and movies and everything else. I think that as much as you could blame the pandemic, it's at the point where it's like, no, this phase just feels kind of sloppy. Cause you got to kind of figure out like they're not, they're not being released in the order they take place. So each show or movie, you got to kind of like take a minute and they, they, they let you know, they give you enough you know, information to figure it out, but you got to go. Like, so where exactly does this happen? In the timeline? Not like the other, basically phase one through three, maybe there's one exception. I'm not sure, but I'll, I mean, I guess Captain Marvel is, is a prequel technically, but other than that, all that was just chronological order, essentially. Uh, so you could really just follow them and watch them as they came out. And you're, you know, you're getting the full story. Whereas now you got to be like, okay, well, okay. This Captain American winter soldier kind of took place before this. I think Shang-Chi is after that. And you got to kind of piece it together. Whereas black widow, it doesn't even seem like it belongs in this group of films other than the, uh, the post credit scene. So I, I, I would agree. It is a little, I don't know if sloppy is the word, but it is a little, it's a little daunting if you're sort of a, a, a chronology buff. I'll, I'll stick with sloppy. I, I mean, I am actually kind of disappointed with how they've done it. I think, you can only blame the pandemic so much. I mean, it affected a lot of things, but this should have, this, this just feels wrong regardless. But you know, well, well, that's the negative. I'll say the, the pro is definitely like for a Marvel origin film. I think this was fantastic. And, and I mean, I still stand by, it. I think the, you know, black Panther wasn't really an origin film because we saw him in his origin, basically in, in captain America civil war. But like the only recent Marvel film where they introduced a new hero that I felt could really stand on its own was captain Marvel, whether you liked captain Marvel or not, whether you like Brie Larson or not. And I don't like Brie Larson. I think captain Marvel was a very good standalone origin film, especially with the MCU. I mean, my criticisms of MCU phase one through three was that for a lot of their films they just felt like different versions of iron man mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong a lot of people are like well you know it's the box office popcorn formula of how you do a hor- uh, superhero origin story in the mcu but like it's really hard to break from that and when they do they have to lean on a bunch of other stuff to make it work and i feel like with shang chi it didn't it didn't do that but it really can stand on its own as a good movie on its own without having to really rely on the others to lift it up 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, it's obviously is going to be fitting into the the greater chronology of the um, canon chronology. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah I think that's it. Of the it's a MCU. word now. Yeah, it is now. It wasn't before. Uh, I, I, it will obviously fit into the greater scope of things, but you could watch it as its own movie. Yeah, there's the references to Iron Man 3 and uh, Trevor and all that stuff. Uh, but you didn't really even need to know all that to enjoy that character. You know, it's it's just a bonus if you kind of do. And I think so it totally stands on its own. One thing I do want to talk about it with you now that the, uh, the spoiler reins are off, so to speak, on this one is the post credit stuff, uh, specifically the scene where uh, where Wong comes and comes to the restaurant and, and gets them. And and then they're back uh, with the other Avengers uh, checking out the rings and kind of talking about the rings. He's basically joining the Avengers at this point because he's in a meeting with with uh, with, uh, you know, Captain Marvel, Bruce Banner, uh, I think Rocket. I think those are the three Avengers that they're, they're there with. Rocket the wasn't in there. It was. Uh, Did I just imagine Rocket? I'm just. It was. It was. Uh, it, it was the chick from the Dora Milaje. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okoye. Okoye. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess she's she's an Avenger now or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really interested. Okoye, in how- is, a, Okoye is literally a better hero than Ant Man. She could totally be an Avenger. <laughs> I mean, it seems that she, she essentially is in this in this version of things, because I mean, she basically because even before Black Panther came back um, in Endgame, even that, in that mid, that version of the Avengers that was there in the interim, she was there in the meetings, too, they were having, too. So I guess, you know, she was kind of the, the one. She, she's earned her place. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, it's what's interesting is it's it's doing a number of things in that scene. It's setting up future Avengers teams in some way, shape or form. Like it's very clear. Shang-Chi is going to be part of the Avengers. Uh, it's very clear that uh, Captain Marvel will be part of the Avengers. Uh, it seems like Okoye and whoever the new black Panther becomes or whatever, however that all plays out, will probably be a part of that team as well. Uh, but then it's, it, it, what's not clear is where things go with Bruce Banner, because the last time we saw Bruce Banner, he was smart Hulk and his arm was in the, in the same sling it's in now, uh, from getting messed up by trying to do by doing his version of the snap uh, in uh, in Endgame, uh, but now he's back to being regular human Bruce Ban- Bruce Banner with Dude, that same. Is it just me or did he look like he was doing meth? I think that is real life Mark Ruffalo. What he's going through, he looks rough. <laughs> he did look like a bit of a, a frazzled Bruce Banner. So I don't know if that's purposeful or if it's just like, hey, we he have to do this. He looks a million scene. years old with crack. I think they probably pulled Mark Ruffalo out of bed that morning and were like, Hey, we're doing a post credit scene. We just thought of this. We want to use Bruce Banner. What are you doing today? He's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do all the Hulk stuff. He's like, no, we're not doing green screen. You're just going to be Bruce Banner. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out later. Can you just put the sling on? He's like, oh, all right. All right. Yeah. Let me just, let me just half brush my teeth. I'll be right there. That, that's how I see it playing out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious where you think some of this stuff is going. Cause one, I, I do think Bruce Banner. I mean, I know Bruce Banner is going to be, it's essentially the same origin that we're going to get for She-Hulk in the Disney Plus series, where he, uh, I think, that donates blood to his cousin and she becomes a Hulk. Uh, so I, I guess he's going to appear in that as regular Bruce Banner. Um, in addition, we also saw the Abomination in this movie, and uh, from the trailers, it wasn't clear if he was just another combatant uh, in this like tournament or something. At the time, I thought it was going to be the Tournament of the Ten Rings or something like that, but that wasn't even a thing in the movie. Instead, he was just kind of having an exhibition fight of sorts at this uh, this sort of fight club um, with Wong, and then we see later when they're in the locker room, and the way Wong is speaking to them, they're obviously friends, and Wong, it seems like Wong is actually training him 
for something else for something bigger and that's that that was that's one that's got my mind spinning a little bit like where that's all going does this tie into the team that uh what's her name elaine venice is putting together uh with u.s agent and uh you know yelena belova and all these sort of anti versions of some of the heroes we've known. So I am very intrigued by what it's setting up with potentially a new Avengers team and what it's setting up with the Hulk stuff and what it's potentially uh, setting up with whatever this thing with abomination is, is referencing. Cause there's, there's something there and I, I don't really know what that is. I was disappointed because you didn't even hear like that was Tim Roth like yeah. in, in there. And what's ironic was as they were filming that they were also starting to film the she Hulk show. So he, Which she he's going from, to be in as well. well yeah. So he, he's returning we'll for that. So like the fact that Tim Roth didn't even say a word in this film felt kind of one off. And the way that they kind of treat it is kind of like the inside joke somehow was, was kind of weird for me. What, what I will say, and I, I discussed this with, with uh, Caleb Franz was that when you see Wong open up that portal to another place, he's taking him back to a shield holding cell. So it's like he's busting him out of jail temporarily to do these fights. And I think it's some type of like, you know, ringer situation where they kind of plot the fight in advance. They kind of allude to that. But uh, that that really felt kind of weird for me. And I'll even say that the that the that the post credits for this, they'll probably pay off later. But it, it gave me like some weird vibes because I feel like they're trying to tie um, you know, things together for what the big event of this phase or the next couple phases are going to be kind of like a new infinity saga. But at the same time, it's, it's so strange because we're already halfway through phase four. Like that's the, that's the weirdest thing about it because phase four, I mean, phase three ends technically with Spider-Man far from home. That was a prologue to, to are we halfway. I wouldn't think we're halfway. We're, We've actually we're only vision, had- uh, Falcon, a winter soldier, uh, Black Widow. Uh, then we have uh, you know, Loki and What If and Shang Chi. Like that's that's six projects. Yeah, I suppose so. But there's a there's a lot more because I think Phase Four is considered even like the next two years. So I think there's a lot more yeah. coming. And so there is a lot. More. It just it just feels it feels odd. Usually they set this up at the beginning of a phase, but here it just kind of felt a little odd. It feels like Phase Four is a giant setup to like phase five or whatever comes next. I, whatever yeah. comes with, you know, the fantastic four, the X-Men stuff that's going to be integrated probably in the five, in the phase five slash six range. And this just feels like a lot of setup for what will probably eventually become Avengers five or maybe secret wars or something. And, but it's enough. It's enough to have me intrigued that I don't really know where it's all going. I just know it is going somewhere. What, what I will say is the one thing that I haven't seen many people talk about is the second post credit scene, which I didn't even know about when I went to go see it the first time. It's the one where basically Shang-Chi's sister takes control of the 10 rings and is yeah. basically bringing it up to speed with her standards. And the end uh, credits basically say the 10 rings will return. And that actually did disappoint me because I feel like they said that on purpose because my, my complaint with Dr. Strange has been, I feel like with Dr. Strange, they simply introduced him in his own movie. So he could just be a partner or side character in other continuing Marvel films. And I thought that was just a one-off thing with his character, but that's like with Captain Marvel, they're kind of doing the same thing. They set up Captain Marvel just to now kind of be a side character. And even in her own sequel, the Marvels, she's not even the main 
character in it. It's Kamala Khan. He's going to be introduced in the Miss Marvel Disney plus series. It's also uh, spectrum who was introduced in WandaVision. So it's one of these situations where it's like, this is, this is a character Shang-Chi where you can actually get like several direct sequels. And Marvel's not saying that they don't want to do direct sequels to Shang-Chi, but you know, with, with that, I feel like that was very deliberate. It's like, why would you set up the bad guys and you wouldn't set up, the main title character for me, that just felt kind of weird. And I feel like when you do that, it kind of cheapens their future appearances. I believe that, that, that 10 rings is not necessarily setting up the Shang Chi Shang Chi sequel. I think it's setting up a yet another Disney plus show. I, I believe I read <sighs> that somewhere. So we'll see. It seems like there's too much, but at the end of the day, you and I can't resist watching this stuff. So. No, I'll watch it twice. Yeah. <laughs> on a loop. Um, cool. So let's move on to some, some books we've been reading. Cause we didn't really get into our books last, uh, last time, uh, last time we did the potpourri, but I have been checking. Most of what I've been reading has been, uh, I've kind of dipped back into the, the Marvel and, and DC stuff, uh, a little bit lately, uh, after kind of being more stuck in the, some image books with a crossover Geiger. I'm still, I'm still following those as they come out. Geiger, I will say I have fallen off of a little bit. I'm probably going to finish it. Cause I think it's only six issues. Um, but eh, it's kind of slow. I gotta be honest. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've read that one at all. No. I don't think you have. Yeah, you're probably fine. The art's pretty good. The story's pretty good, but it's but it's actually kind of like whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the the biggest thing I've been reading over the last month or two has been Infinite Frontier from DC. Now, I think you've had issue. You started to get it, but then you had some issues. Issues getting your issues, I guess. Yeah, the the issue is is that when I subscribed to Infinite Frontier, I was living in Virginia. So when I moved to Wisconsin, they don't have a a redirect for your your shipping address. So like all my other DC books are getting shipped here because when I moved here to my new apartment outside Milwaukee, I already had a new address. So all my other DC books are coming here, but everything but Infinite Crisis keeps getting sent back to my parents in Virginia. So I have only gotten up to issue 2 right now. All right. Well, we don't need to go too spoilery on it. Um, cause you already know about, um, what's his name? Who's the one with the black ring? Speedy. Good old speedy. Oh yeah. Black lantern, uh, arsenal or black lantern, yeah. speedy red right. arrow, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. That's, uh, I actually have that, enjoyed his, his addition yeah. to the series. I usually don't like when characters just come back, but I think this one was actually done in a way that it kind of makes sense. And it plays into the story that it's pretty cool. Out. Yeah. But infinite frontier, I, I, it's one of those things that, it's not really, and they're not marketing it as an event book. They haven't actually, it doesn't actually seem like it's been that hyped up actually, but uh, it's the one that I jumped onto because I'm just, I'm kind of like a, a lore chronology buff. Like I kind of always want to know what's going on with the greater scope of the DC universe. So anytime they do one of these, you know, multiversal events or events where they're, you know, addressing the sort of structure of the universe, I'm interested. I just always want to see where it's going. Uh, but this doesn't, in, in some ways it feels like it's the start of an event book, but it's not really an event book itself. Although I won't spoil the last couple issues for you. I'll let you get to them on your own, but, but it, it becomes pretty eventy feeling briefly, but then it kind of, it kind of brings us out. And essentially at the end of the day though, it is setting up, of course, it's just setting up another series for us. It's setting up the justice incarnate series, which is coming later this year. And uh, that one is going to feature a lot of different multiversal characters. It's going to have the characters it has now. It has the Calvin Ellis Superman. Uh, They've also found a way to work Thomas Wayne, Batman back into things. So now he's essentially a member of justice incarnate Uh, captain carrot, 
big fan of Captain Carrot. Yeah, I mean, I really do love uh, Calvin Ellis's dialogue moments of Thomas Wayne Batman. I think that's probably my favorite yeah, part. They make a good. Uh, they make a good uh, couple of, like buddy cop comedy duo. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Cap- Captain Carrot's been cool. I- I'm glad they didn't get rid of him at the end of Death Metal. Yeah, and as a continuity buff, I enjoy little aspects of things. I enjoy characters um, that that sort of live outside continuity. So um, the big overarching villain kind of meets that, and I won't reveal who it is in case anyone hasn't read it yet. But uh, but yeah, it's Dark Side. Um, <laughs> but but um, but also like little characters like um, like I really like Psycho Pirate in this, and Psycho Pirate's an interesting character overall because Psycho Pirate always remembers everything. Like he knows everything that's happened. So he knows about crisis on infinite earths. He knows about infinite crisis. He retains the memories of all these events that essentially wipe out universes and, and rebirth universes. So he's always been, that's kind of been consistent with his character across, across time here. So I always find his addition and to, to these stories and the way he speaks about things with the knowledge of these other crises in the past. And I, I enjoy that just that the, the fact of these crisis events, even though they sort of were, were supposed to wipe, wipe, slates clean every time and all they really ever did was confuse things more but i like that that is actually a part of dc lore it's a part of the mythology and it's something that the characters and even now like the citizens of of the dc universe or the dc universe i whatever you want to say acknowledge this thing happens it's this crisis thing that happens and there's a multiverse and people know about it and now it's almost like many of the characters of the dc universe and the citizens of the dc universe are like us they're like fans of the comics in that they can they understand the larger scope of the picture that before only readers of the comics understood so i find the entire concept interesting i thought that i would i thought i would hate the dc multiversal stuff more than i do and i don't know how much they're pushing it as a a concept in the actual you know in in the regular monthly books which i'm not really reading too much of but as far as the overall way they're handling this sort of everything matters thing i gotta say i kind of like it because there are a lot of interesting characters throughout the history of dc in the dc multiverse like calvin l superman like freaking captain carrot and it's cool to see these characters come together and in a way that actually interacts with other characters that that we know and love from you know from the, the regular dc universe so i've been enjoying it um I, I it is pretty hefty i think it's like five bucks and was coming out like every two weeks yeah but it feels worth it almost because like you get a lot of story for, for that book and i feel like with a lot of the other more expensive comics that are touching that five six dollar range they they have somewhat uh sacrificed quality for page count um, and, and, you know, the more I read into Infinite Crisis, the more I realize that the Brian Michael Infinite Bendis... Infinite Frontier. Yeah, I'm sorry, I Infinite, Infinite Crisis. Yeah, my bad. The, the more I read into Infinite Frontier, the more I realize that the Brian Michael Bendis Justice League is just, like, not living up to the hype. I haven't even sniffed that intentionally. Like, I, I'm I have, not a huge Bendis guy. I, got, I have an issue literally sitting across from me that came in the mail last week, and I haven't read it. I've been reading the Tom Taylor Superman. I finally got my issue one of uh, Superman's uh, Kal-El in, and I, I have not given it a full read yet just because I've been working. But yeah, I mean, I think DC continues to probably be the best publisher right now. And I, I wouldn't even say it's because they've been doing anything super amazing. I just think it's because all the other publishers, uh, you know, Image, Valiant, and especially Marvel, they just, they, they've been really slacking. And, uh, you know, I mean, the only criticism I really have for DC is that after um, after death metal in 2020, 
they went into that future state phase. And what's funny is I, I was back in my parents in Virginia last week getting ready to sell a bunch of my shit. And I had to actually get rid of some comic books that I just, I was like, these, I, I just don't want to carry with me. So I, I gave a whole bunch away to a friend's kid and I gave him a ton of my infinite frontier comics. And I'm sorry, no, a bunch of my uh, future state comics, future state came out between January and February of 2021. He's like, Oh, future state. I heard about this. Is this important? And I'm like, no, it's not important. It's not. You enjoy that, though, because I, I spend a lot of money on those. So you, you enjoy those. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still sticking to my limited stuff from D.C. Superman's not Kal-El, Justice League, uh, Batman, uh, The Adventure Continues, which is on its uh, second season right now, and Infinite Frontier, when I can get my folks to go ahead and mail me those copies back. Well, speaking of future state, uh, one book that I have been reading uh, monthly and enjoying and, but it was a little confusing to me. And now I think I kind of get why is Superman and the authority by Grant Morrison art by Mikkel Janin, I believe is how you say his name, but I don't know. Never heard anyone else say it better um, attempt than me, but I'm very much enjoying the story and the art after, you know, it, it got me in from the beginning cause I enjoyed it just enough to see where it's going. And I have actually enjoyed where it's going. And the only thing I was kind of confused by is what's going on, like why it's even happening in the first place. Cause it seems like this is a different version of Superman. He's slightly older. He has less powers. I finally figured it out. This is, this was supposed to be a future state book or like a future oh. state or five G book. So it is supposed to take place in that timeline or in that, in that sort of era. Um, so that's why I was a little confused by it because it came out after that stuff. But when you put it into the context of, of, you know, that five years in the future thing, suddenly it starts to make more sense, especially when the characters reference different things. Uh, there's Natasha Irons in it, is in it, um, Seal's daughter, and she's as old as she should be. And you know, that, that actually makes sense more now. So, you know, it, it does make a little more sense to me and I'm, I'm really enjoying the book. Um, it's really, it's really interesting because it's Grant Morrison on the authority. Um, he has this character, Manchester black. Now, I don't know if you realize this Manchester black was originally created as a, a part of this team called the elite. And the elite was actually a parody of the authority by Warren Ellis that, and so the authority was by Warren Ellis. Grant Morrison creates the elite as a parody of them because he fucking hates Warren Ellis for whatever reason. And now he's writing the book, the authority that was originally by Warren Ellis, uh, that, that he is now writing with his own character in it, Oof. Manchester black. <laughs> Yeah. So enjoy that one. But basically it's a, it's a depowered Superman. Uh, he has, no, it's not like he has no powers. He just has like less powers. He's less powerful for some reason that I'm still not entirely sure of. Uh, but essentially he decides he's going to put, you know, his son is off doing his own thing, being the regular Superman of this time. Uh, so he decides he's going to put together a team to handle other stuff, to handle stuff that, you know, that is not being handled by the normal superheroes. And so he recruits Manchester black. He recruits Midnighter and Apollo. Basically he's trying to recruit people that when when combined they could almost be like one regular powered superman that that's kind of like the vibe i'm getting from it and uh it's i'm just really enjoying it like the art's really excellent i'm i'm enjoying what my favorite part of this is just the interaction between the various characters uh, you've got midnighter and apollo you've got a uh, june moon slash enchantress let's let's see if we can do this one remzo remzo what can you tell me about june moon and or the enchantress dr june moon who i think was originally introduced in wonder woman i mean 
may may or may not be correct about that. You probably remember her from the 2015, I'm sorry, 2016 uh, Suicide Squad movie. Uh, basically, Dr. June Moon is an archaeologist that went to an Aztec temple in Mexico. And as she was in these mysterious caverns, she went ahead and opened up a... Uh, a crate that had some like, you know, ancient magic shit in there. And she was possessed by a sorceress named the Enchantress. So it's kind of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde scenario, but a little bit sexier. Yes. Much sexier actually. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying not just the, the sort of grouping of the characters, but how they tend to interact with each other, like seeing June moon slash Enchantress, um, interact with like Manchester black and, and Manchester black. Interestingly enough, he's kind of like the field leader of the team. Like Superman's the organizer and the leader, but when they actually go out in the field Manchester black kind of has taken over the role of like the, the on the ground leader. And it's, it's just a really interesting dynamic. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to tie into the greater DC universe or if it even is. Now, one thing that really confused me about this is in infinite frontier you know you, you see some shots at the end of each issue and it shows bones bones notebook where he's taking notes about things and one of the notes is why is superman forming a new authority but this but infinite frontier takes place like now and that takes place later and that's why it's confusing to me so maybe there's still some kind of multiversal element here maybe that's just an editorial mistake it very well just could be that they didn't have D- dc has been having those those issues more often because when you saw the handoff between uh brian michael bendis from when he went on in the superman books to justice league the current superman writers in action comics not including tom taylor because his whole thing didn't start till like july uh, th- there have been some like rather obvious continuity errors. I-, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but like DC editorial ever since they, they went into this new f- infinite frontier phase, there have been like little weird moments that people have been catching and it's out and people are bringing it up and DC is not answering it. And people are like, did you guys not realize this? So yeah, so that maybe that's the it. most likely explanation for why that's being referenced when it shouldn't really be being referenced at that time. So uh, yeah, it could just be some editor was like, Oh, there's a Superman, the authority book. Cool. Put a note in there about it. So it all ties in, even though it shouldn't necessarily tie in, but I am enjoying the book. Otherwise I, I actually would, uh, would actually recommend it. If you're a fan of, if you're a fan of Grant Morrison, if you're a fan of like quirky superhero team up stuff, um, then I definitely recommend it. I, I, I don't know what your opinion of this is, Mark, but what I've noticed well, that's why is, we have a show where we talk about our opinions. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I feel like we're in a lull period for comics. And it's mainly because of the lack of stuff that I'm really excited for. I'm, I'm collecting a lot of series because I just, you know, I like them. I like getting new books and seeing what's out. But like, there's nothing really that kind of grabs me. And I feel like, you know, and I saw this when I was going through my stack of comics back home. And even when we go ahead and pull out stories to read on the show, it's like what I've noticed is that there are real big high points of great titles and stories that are coming out during a certain year or so. And then there are real low points. And I feel that between like 2019, uh, 2020, you had a lot of really great books coming out. And now it's like towards the latter end of 2020 through most of this year so far, it's just been kind of lackluster. So I'm hoping that, you know, maybe in the next year or so, at least one one or two of the major publishers will just have a really good year long run because and I don't want to just be like, oh, well, modern comic books suck or anything. But it's like even the stuff that's good 
doesn't get me as hyped as I, I felt for some stuff that came out even a couple of years ago. I'm very picky nowadays with the books that I actually go and physically buy or or actually pay money to read, especially because now like I, I tend to really enjoy reading older books uh, more than I'm enjoying a lot of the, the modern stuff. And I don't want to sound like a, a boomer here again, but you know, I, I've I've been enjoying just revisiting a lot of stuff, and it's obviously one reason I just enjoy doing the show so much because I enjoy going back and reading older stories that a I already read and am rereading like twenty or thirty years of pa- of time passes. It's, it's kind of a lot, so a lot of stories that I've read, I kind of don't even know them at all. I'm like, oh, I, like a lot of the panels like seem familiar, the art seems familiar, but I don't necessarily like I can still be surprised by a story now because it's it's been enough time that has passed. So like a lot of the older books that I I even own and read almost read like new books to me, even though I, I know they're old and, and, you know, in the box or what have you. So, um, it, it really takes a lot for me to get excited about modern comics and I'm very picky with those. So there's, there's a few comics here and there that I've been reading, but I can't say I'm like overall, you know, if you had to tell me either today, you can read only comics from the nineties or only comics that come out now for the rest of your life. I would take my comics from the nineties. No, oh, any, no any day of the week. That's not even any a day. second thought. Yeah. So, um, so I will continue to, to very much pick and choose based on, it's basically something that I have to see is coming out and think it's an interesting because either I like the writer or I find the concept intriguing. So for infinite frontier, I just want to see where things are going with the greater DC universe, uh, with Superman, the authority, I've always enjoyed Grant Morrison. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a huge Grant Morrison fan because there's a lot of stuff that I find too. Would you rate him above or below Jonathan Hickman? Oh, he's above Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see where the comparison comes in though, because they are both writers that like to create gigantic, complex. Um, they I like mean, to remind you how smart they are. They like to remind you how smart they are and how much they have figured everything out and how much they have planned things out. But no, I mean, I, I, I like Jonathan Hickman. I, I, I will always like Jonathan Heckman's Fantastic Four run. I think it's a fantastic run. It's one of my, is maybe my second favorite Fantastic Four run. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, his other stuff, it, it, it's touch and go for me, a, a lot of it, I guess, I guess we could say. But no, I, I would put Grant Morrison, honestly, leaps and bounds above Jonathan Hickman, and maybe that's just a body of work type of thing. But I can definitely understand the comparison, for sure. Uh, no, but for me, I, like, I, I typically enjoy Grant Morrison books, even when I don't love them, if that makes sense. Because to me, they're, he's, he always takes a unique approach to characters and to stories, and I always do appreciate that, even if I don't end up loving the final He, he is his own unique flavor. Yeah, I mean that that's really it. He's one of those guys where it's like when you read some of his stuff, it's like you don't, you might not know it's him immediately until you look at at the front of the cover or something, but you just know it's him. Yeah. And there's some Grant Morrison that's just too complex, too convoluted. Uh to me Final Crisis, I enjoy it. it again, I enjoy, I enjoy it, but it's really complicated and kind yeah. of confusing. Uh even if you've been following all the other stories that led up to it. Uh but this I like this cuz it's a fresh start and I think the fact that I that it is sort of in a I don't know if it's a separate DC universe or if it's a, a future DC universe, maybe that's considered an alternate timeline. I don't know. Whatever it is though, it does feel like kind of a fresh start for me uh for for this this version of Superman and for these characters that he's brought together and for this team existing and it really does feel fresh because it's such a mix of characters it's it's like I, it's a mix of superman plus some minor heroes some of which are may or may not be from the main dc continuity uh there may be one that's sort of multiversal uh combined with reformed villain i always like a good reformed villain story which we have with manchester black and the enchantress uh and combined with uh some old favorites of mine from uh, the wildstorm days but before they merged with dc 
So I mean, I, I've always enjoyed the, the characters of Midnighter and Apollo, even if they are um, very blatantly Batman and Superman ripoffs. Uh, they're they're unique enough in their personalities and their actual stories that they actually are can be done as interesting characters when handled the right way. And I think they're being handled really well uh, in this story. So um, that that's probably my number one pick, honestly, for a monthly book from a major publisher right now. If I was going to choose one for someone to check out, it would be Superman the Authority. Is, is it a name. limited series or is it going to be ongoing? I believe it is. I believe it might only be six or eight issues. And I think that I think it's just the fourth that just that just dropped. But I'm really enjoying it. It's getting way more praise than Crime Syndicate did. I feel like people were excited for Crime Syndicate for like two issues. And then it was yeah, like, that wah, was me. Wah. Yeah. Crime Syndicate. I think I enjoyed the first three issues. And then the last, the last like four, when I got to issue four or five or six, I was kind of like, mm, okay. Each issue had like diminishing levels of excitement. By the time I, f- I have the full series, by the time mm-hmm. I was done, I was like, okay, what was the point of this? And you can only go so far with a group of, you know, evil bad guys. Like they're more, they're good for a, a short story here and there when they come over and interact with the justice league, but they're not good on their own. I don't think if you said that you were going to make a crime syndicate series, I could, that was ongoing. It, it's not like dark Avengers. I think dark Avengers is like the best series of bad guys who are at the center of the book. Like it's better than thunderbolts. It's better than suicide squad. It's better than all those attempts. And it's like for, for crime syndicate, like, I feel like I've always wanted them to be, like, you know, be able to like stand on their own and really compete with a lot of the ongoing monthly titles. But with this limited series, like I get it was like a reboot and all this stuff stuff, but it like, it didn't sell me at the end. Speaking of which, because I know we're running up on time, uh, you've been reading dark ages from Marvel. I have. Well, I read, I read the first issue anyway. Okay. So I'm not going to buy that shit. I didn't buy heroes reborn. I'm not going to buy this, but, uh, I, I need to know like what, what is going on. Well, that's funny because it's written by a guy you've you've praised a number of times on this program. It's a it's a Tom Taylor book, so I'm surprised that that hasn't intrigued you. Enough Is he writing it? it? Yeah, I, I I actually didn't know he was writing it. I, well, that, maybe that's maybe I, I was cut off guard. Tune. Well, now now well now I feel like I have to. It is well, I mean, there's only one Tom Taylor in comics. I feel stupid that I didn't know. I follow him on Twitter. You so should. I, I, I you should. I should feel stupid as a self-professed Tom Taylor. Okay. Fan. I, I am a bad Tom Taylor fan. So, so go ahead and tell me this so that I can impulsively buy issue one tomorrow at the comic shop. Cool. So the, basically the plot is, and it does take a pretty long time to get to the main plot. It's kind of a little bit of a swerve because at first it appears that the whole thing is that they're, they're battling this new villain who comes from space. His name is the unmaker. He's not important. I'll just tell you that right now. Um, although if you want to read this, I don't know how spoilery I should, I should really get here. Just, but just, it, it's just fine. do it. Just do it. No, this, this is fine. You, you, you can know all this. Um, basically, at the end of the day, the way they have to, def- through how they have to defeat this guy, uh, there's like this, um, there's this like power surge on Earth and, and they lose the power. So, ba- so, so Earth has no electricity anymore. So then, then we go forward five years later. And and basically, we're seeing the Marvel Universe after not having electricity for five years. So this isn't like an event book. This is like a another another multiverse. It's a what if. It's essentially a what if that's okay. not called a what if. Yeah, it's one of those. I want to do a story that's not connected to everything, but I don't want to call it a what if because that's stupid kind of things. I think that's that's basically the deal here. Got it. Uh, like like deceased. You know, it's just it's just a cool story that that Tom Taylor got to do for DC, and that's it. So uh, that one they had they had like a million different versions of deceased. But this uh, this is interesting enough that um that it's intriguing to me and i mean i i didn't love like the first the initial battle and how they put this team together to fight the unmaker i thought that was kind of dumb um like the, the, they they chose like basically they chose like five characters to go into this battle it was scarlet witch vision invisible woman the thing and doctor strange 
And, um, but like, it's like, I don't know, just the, some of the logic was dumb. It's like, oh, and if we need something, someone strong, we got the thing. It's like, well, if you, if you need someone strong, there's like 20 characters that I, I could think of that you would choose before this the, the Hulk. thing. Like, yeah, like, like he's strong, but he's not like one of the strongest in the universe that we should, that we want to, if we're going to get our team down to these only five people that are going to save the world, blah, blah, blah. They but anyway, person. Yeah, he, he 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 couldn't even beat Bug Person. Yeah, they had to zap him, zap away with a golden freaking frog because he couldn't even just take out Bug Person by himself. Uh, but yeah, I mean th- that story is just the setup to the whole thing. It's not really important. It's just to set up the fact that there's this EMP blast and it and takes out the Earth's power. So then we fast forward five years and we don't really get into that too much. So I, I'm I'm intrigued to see where it goes. But can I spoil the end of this? Yeah, episode? just just do it. I mean, yeah, you, you might have even seen it anywhere. But at the end, we're introduced to a new team of. I don't know. I don't know if they're heroes or anti-heroes, but it's a new team that's led by Apocalypse, and it includes Lady Deathstrike, Beast, She-Hulk, Reed Richards, and now it wasn't clear to me who this was in the beginning, but I've read who it was, and now that I see, look at the art, it actually makes sense. Apparently, it is Miles Morales Venom. It is a Venomized Miles Morales, who's part ah. of the Apocalypse team here. So it's not really clear what's going on. We just kind of meet this team, and that's kind of our cliffhanger. Uh, and there's also a version of Iron Man there. So it's not it's not clear who's in that Iron Man suit. I don't I don't believe it's. Tony if Tony. it's fucking Riri Williams, <laughs> now I, I am, hope it's Riri. I am I not <laughs> spending a dollar on that shit. I don't believe it's Riri. It actually looks like it's someone large. They they kind of made it clear that it's it's someone very large because the armor is a lot bigger. So I think it's I, I don't think it's Riri. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident of that one. And then Beast is like the you know remember that era for like a few years where Beast like turned into more of a beast like he looked like an animal. It looks like, like a actual, cat person. Yeah, like a cat. Uh, yeah, this this kind of looks like a cooler version of that Beast. Uh, Cause that beast I thought kind of looked really lame, but this one actually looks really cool. So that that's how you end the issue. And I don't know where it's going to go, but um, you know, I, I, the funny thing is about all this is that the reason I read it is because you praised Tom Taylor so much. And I saw it was by Tom Taylor. So I was, <laughs> I feel so, I feel so stupid. Like I, I literally feel so stupid. I didn't know that he was writing this book. Yeah, you should. But the art's really good too. And like on none, on none of the, like I haven't read any of the stuff to me. It looks like another Marvel event book. And I, I will say, I think one reason why I was confused was because I don't think I'd be interested if it was a regular Marvel event because it, that would turn me off. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've had enough of these. Because you need to collect twenty variant covers. Like yeah. I, in none of the marketing for it did I see any mention of Tom Taylor. So like yeah, well, really, I had no clue it was him. But now since I know it's him, now I'm really interested. I believe this is just like a self-contained. I'm not sure how many issues it is. I'm, I'm just going to guess six, but I don't actually know. Um, just kind of a, it's kind of a what if Elseworlds type tale. So and, and it's. Like, it's not the best story I've ever read. I don't want to, like, heap praise on it like you're going to be blown away here. But it's it's an interesting enough concept that I'm I'm curious to see where he's going with, with these uh, upcoming issues. You got to get yourself uh, a hardcover copy of Deceased, especially for for Halloween. You'll 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 like it. All right. Well, maybe I should join the second print Patreon at the Epic Crossover level. And maybe you'll send me one just like you did to one of our other patrons. I have sent that book to so many people. I freaking love Deceased. I think it's one of the best books that have come out in the past five years. And I love basically everything Tom Taylor touches. Yeah, it's good. I went back and read it, too. Uh, not not the physical copy version, but uh, our friends at Hoopla helped us out with that. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So now since I know Tom Taylor is gracing Marvel with uh, Dark Ages. And yeah, I think I'll pick it up. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. One more thing I want to mention that I didn't even, I didn't even finish the issue yet, but I, I was just, I was going to try to see if I had time to read it uh, before I talked to you. I didn't quite have time before the show and there's a couple issues out now. So I want to do a deeper read of it. 
but I want to tee you up for it. So maybe we can talk about it next week. Cause, uh, the, cause these guys are living the dream recently. There's a, there's another oh, yeah. comic book podcast out there. I don't like to promote the competitors, but I will in this case, uh, it's called variant the podcast. And, uh, one of the hosts of that show, his name is Aris Quinones and he he's living the dream. He's living the second print dream where you start a podcast, you make connections into the industry. And then one day you start a comic book and through your connections in the industry, you're able to get that comic book made. So he, he has started a book. Uh, he, he's the co-writer along with Frank Barbieri, who's a longtime comic book writer. Uh, uh, it's called Astonishing Times. I have not even finished the first issue, I want to uh, say again, but just by browsing through, I think I'm like 10, 15 pages in. Um, I was really sucked in really quickly, and um, and I really, really enjoy the art, and I really think I'm going to continue to enjoy where the story's going. So that's really all I'm going to say about that book, but it is on Comixology. If you get Comixology Unlimited, because um, this is actually published by Comixology. It's a Comixology original. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if that means... I think it might also be available in print format, but uh, it's available on Comixology Unlimited for anyone. I mean, that that's a really good deal, too. If you buy digital comics at all... Uh, Again, I'm, I'm selling all these products here today that I don't get any commission from. I'm selling, I'm selling you the Cinemark app. I'm selling you Comixology Unlimited, but uh, it's like six bucks a month, and you get access to a ton of comic books plus any new comics that come out. You get like fifteen percent off. So if if you buy a lot of like new digital comics, it it pays for itself very easily. And uh, but yeah, that that is available on there. I'm just going to leave it at that because I want to read more. But I, I saw enough that it, it really did intrigue me. And hey, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Aris Quinones as someone who is also a podcaster and a lifelong comic book fan. I know for him, it's just got to be the greatest thing uh, to, to actually see your name on a book that's, that's been published. So uh, I'm excited for him and I'm, I'm excited to keep reading it. Awesome stuff. Well, I think we got through everything today. I think so. I think that's all I had, I had on my mind. You want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Uh, I just implore you guys, as always follow along with us follow us on social media you can follow us at second print pod pretty much everywhere uh we are on twitter we are on the facebooks we are on the instagrams come come chat with us come join us you can also join us in our private group the second print comics fan zone by becoming a patron of this program you can help us live the dream maybe someday if we can grow this puppy big enough we can be like Aris Quinones and we can uh, leverage this thing into uh, into comic books of our own. Uh, but until then, we promise to be here every single Wednesday, giving you our hot takes, mostly on stories of yesteryear, the stories that Remzo uh, and I were inspired by as comic book fans. But every fourth Wednesday, or not, not always fourth, sometimes it's a fifth once in a while, but every last Wednesday of the month, we'll be doing what you heard today, where, where we call it the second print potpourri. We'll be looking at whatever we've been watching, whatever we've been reading, just like we did today. So continue to join us for this journey and as always friends don't forget to read comics change the world and change the world good night america buenas noches When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.